0: of course, someone was has a car. What's a car? Stop moping. Try this.
1: They're looking for writers to be a rock critic. I'm Johanna Morrigan. I have an interview for the job. Did you think my writing was good?
0: It's not really us. Not cool. Darling, rooms like that need girls like you.
1: Come on, let's go! Good God, it's a child catcher.
0: Johanna Morrigan is dead. This is the legendary Dolly Wilde. Last night, rock and roll meant nothing to me. By midnight, it was the most important thing in the world. Darling, have you ever done an interview before? I've never done anything before. These are the places you come where you can dance, and scream, and be with your own kind, where everything is possible.
1: This is Dolly Waugh, she's trouble. Yes,
0: I am trouble. The thing about crossing over to the dark side is that once you're there, it doesn't feel dark at all.
1: My question to you, Johanna, is when did you lose your mind? What do you do when you build yourself, only to realize you built yourself with the wrong things? You rip it up and start again.
0: this, we would like to run in the next issue. Thank you. Thank you very much, ma'am. Are you, in fact, pretending to be Elvis right now? Hello
1: and welcome to this week's edition of Box Office Bylines, the podcast about journalism movies. I am Tara Thorne here in Halifax, Nova Scotia.
0: And I am Jacob Boone in Wolverhampton, England.
1: Oh, don't I wish? I bet it's gray there today.
0: It's probably gray, probably humid. Yeah. In in north, probably not the midlands, don't it's, it's in, in think the midlands.
1: It, it's in the midlands, but don't you think there's like a, a, a bone chill at all times?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a very gothic place.
1: <laughs> this week we are talking about how to build a girl, which stars Beanie Feldstein who you know and love from the film's book Smart and Lady Bird, if you are me. And it is based on the great writer Caitlin Moran's book of the same name, a thinly veiled memoir, if I do say so. and uh, she also wrote the script and it was directed by, oh Jacob, here's a name pronunciation. Koki Guideroy. I don't think who you was a lady. Right. What do you think it is? I,
0: well, I watched a video interview with her where they pronounced it Koiki Gidrich. Koiki? Koiki Gidrich. Also known <laughs> Gidrich? officially as Mary Rose Helen Gidrich, Lady Boyer Smythe, wife of Sir Thomas Wayland Boyer Smythe, 15th Baronet.
1: Wow. There's a mouthful. Now, Lady Boyer Smythe sounds like a <laughs> fake Simpsons name that they're trying to give to, like, a rich person. So
0: does Koyke get rich. It yeah. sounds like a fake, Koyke. like, British lower-class person. So.
1: So, yes, this is about Caitlin Moran's um, formative years as a teenage rock critic. Yeah. Uh, which is a thing that happened to her, not unlike our good friend William Miller slash Cameron Crowe in Almost Famous.
0: Yeah, this is sort of Almost Famous. M I S S or M S? Almost
1: famous. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as good. We'll just stay that Almost right <laughs> now. Um, we're only a couple minutes in. I just want to say, do not huh. expect us to come out on the same side as yes. we did with Almost Um
0: famous. Okay, so Caitlin Moran, uh, do, are you familiar with the writing?
1: I don't read. Okay. Um, so of all the reasons not to date me, uh, that I don't read books is number one. David Sedaris uh, would
0: not go home with you. Right? Didn't he say that?
1: But I who.
0: Wasn't that his quote about, like, don't go home with somebody if they don't have books? Who said that? David Sedaris, maybe, or John Waters? Oh, uh,
1: David Sedaris wouldn't be interested in me for a lot of reasons. <laughs> um, but he's not, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm looking at my bookshelf, but I know it's a lie. Anyway, uh, but I have read some uh, essays, and she's very, very funny. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you familiar? I,
0: I was not. I mean, like, I knew the name, but nothing that kind of came to mind. She's more a columnist now? I think so, yeah. yeah. Um born in Brighton father was a drummer had a lot of kids or a lot of siblings and they would gr- grew up in not the the most wealthiest of estates playing games like quote throwing mud at their house which is a fun game oh yeah but began writing for weekly music publication Melody maker at the age of 16 and that's pretty much exactly like what happens to Johanna Morgan an aspiring music journalist in the 1990s Wolverhampton Uh, Yeah, except she
1: works at the NME, which is funny, because that's a real paper as well, so I don't know why they just didn't use Melody
0: Maker. That is weird. (laughs) Don't you like how we're throwing British
1: crap in? Is it? (laughs) Almost famous. Uh, Yeah, we're gonna. Uh, Anywho, anywho, so it's a very... I don't know how Caitlin Moran got her job, but basically the NME is looking for writers, and... uh, in a scene we all found very oh, hilarious. you
0: know what I just got? I'm sorry to cut you off. But I just, I had no, I thought it like NME was like new music entertainment or something.
1: Not like the enemy.
0: Because they refer to her as that in this movie. At one point someone refers to her as the enemy. And I was like, oh, that must be a fun reference to Almost Famous because they refer to William as that. But then I thought maybe that's just what they called journalists at the time, if you were in rock and roll. (laughs) Oh, Jacob. Didn't put it together until now. Jacob's a newsie. Wow. Okay. Sorry, you were saying.
1: It's all good. So, But the funny thing is, basically, they're looking for reviewers. And so she sends in a review of the Annie soundtrack sure. that she types up on her brother's typewriter. And they invite her in for an interview because they thought it was some great joke and they can't believe this person exists and they can't believe it's a teen girl. Mm-hmm. And she talks her way in and reinvents herself as a, as a, not Johanna, but Dolly Wilde wearing a really unfortunate hat that I believe is era appropriate and dyes her hair red. Get some combat boots. Oh, we've all been there. It's very.
0: And Amy um, Sherman Palladino.
1: Yes, Amy loves her hats. Um,
0: so the Caitlin Moran. I guess that was they were they weren't her outfits, but they were based on many things she wore.
1: Well, that makes sense. I have curly hair. I cannot wear a hat. Like you have to wear it all day because sure. you get the dent. Amy Sherman Palladino has like short, straight black hair, so she we could she this. could do that. She can wear a hat okay. all day long. She you can, and I we can't wear, wear, wear hat. hats.
0: <laughs> I just have a big men
1: hat. without hats journalist without hats. <laughs> so um and then um and then it's basically a coming-of-age story but what else, what the other thing that happens is um she sort of she gets a uh, piece rejected for being too flowery mm-hmm. so she becomes mean and that's what makes her famous is being mean
0: because she falls she goes to dublin uh Bublin, oh, dublin oh uh, i've been john uh, kite
1: what a, this is like my own youth i got <laughs> sent to dublin yeah, you
0: get put on a plane to dublin to interview after a single *Manic Street Preachers* review, yeah, and you fall instantly for John Kite, a sensitive rock boy, played by Alfie Allen, who I don't know if they mention his age, but
1: is considerably older.
0: Yeah, and and yeah, it's it's weird. It's
1: one of the pro- we'll we'll get to the problems okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. with that stuff.
0: Um. And, yeah, they don't like her because she writes something very teen girl. She's so dreamy. And people want negative. They want they want the queen of mean. Fun insults. Yeah. Cruel reviews. Yeah.
1: You are the weakest link. Goodbye. That's Bohemian
0: what Bohemian crapsody at one point she <laughs> writes. And, yeah, then she gets fan. Like, people, fangirls dress up as her and ask for her autograph. Bands fear her, you know.
1: She, uh, wins an award, Asshole of the Year. I believe that it's Arsehole of the Year. Our Soul.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Isn't> it? <laughs> We're having fun.
1: Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know what? If I, I became media literate at about 13. So if I, uh... Knew of Dolly Wilde. This is obviously a pre-internet time. It's in the 90s. Um, I would, I would ha- ha- probably wouldn't have worn a hat, but I might have tried to dye my hair or something.
0: Fair enough. Like, I yeah. would
1: have been into her.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. how many dudes, like, modeled their entire personalities off, like, Hunter S. Thompson?
1: Ugh, too many.
0: And yet would not have the sort of uh uh well, oh, shamelessness isn't the right word. They 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 would have too much ego themselves mm-hmm. to like actually go up and like ask for his autograph. Yeah. So it's just it is a little odd to see like costumed fans of a journalist.
1: Yeah. We're definitely beyond that. <laughs> we <laughs> haven't had that, that in, in
0: almost any other movie. <laughs> we could have. I'm not against it. It's just a strange thing to see. Yeah. Um so she wins the award and then at like a party Her editors and co-workers badmouth her behind her back, but she hears them. Classic coming-of-age sort of scene. And she blows up and yells at their cynicism and smugness, and then like cuts herself or tries to kill herself. I wasn't sure if she was trying to kill herself or just like self-harm.
1: I think she was just very sad
0: because she yeah she
1: did end up in the hospital, didn't she?
0: Yeah, she accidentally cuts you two into her arm, and she didn't mean (laughs) to. It's a funny joke. Uh,
1: well, we love you of we We're recapping that like, this. I felt like it was there for you. Yeah, that
0: was nice. We are recapping this a little bit. Like this is a new movie. I believe it's going to be on Amazon Prime like this month after when this podcast oh, comes great. out. So people will be yeah, able to it watch it. Yeah, it came
1: out. I saw it at uh, the Toronto Film Festival last year. A not tiff. to be like that. But I'm not going to get to go to Tip this year, so I'm going to say Why it not? more than ever. Well, <laughs> you know... <laughs> They're just scaling it down. You you know what are you going to do?
0: Believe that there's going to be a virus. (laughs)
1: Um. So I remember loving it then.
0: Did you? Can I say Uh, there? I watched a Q and A after the TIFF screening. Were you at that one?
1: Uh. No, I saw it in a press screening.
0: Oh. Okay. So you saw it. Was there? Were there a lot of people? Was the reaction good?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think people liked it. Um. And people at film festivals are merciless in terms of walkouts. They'll Mm. just leave within ten minutes. So yeah, I think people liked it, and I but I have to say, on the second watch, I uh, struggled a bit.
0: I can, yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> talked about how much thing. you loved it. It seemed like a uh, good film from from the the materials and the people involved. Yeah, all ready to love it, but uh, sort of fall short not. in some well bad ways.
1: Here, this is the thing. People, I think people don't know about a thing called a festival bubble, which is like yeah. a festival bubble. Um, which is something that happens. Like Sundance is famous for it for paying, you know, twenty million dollars for some movie that makes a million dollars when it comes out to the real public because they're not film people going to see four movies a day. So it changes your uh, perspective when you're in that mode. So, you know, it's not a piece of shit or anything. I just thought on second <laughs> watch I was less charmed, and I had just watched Lady Bird before we watched it, so I was like Are you on my Feldstein high.
0: I remember you texting me when you were at TIFF last year and you just couldn't shut up about how much you love Joker. <laughs> and yet, when it's in theaters with the regular crowd, suddenly you're like, I don't know about this movie.
1: I like how you're trying to send our dozen fans after me on Twitter to talk about <laughs> Joker.
0: Please talk to Tara about Joker. Stop her on the street, pull down your face mask, and talk to her about Joker.
1: Now, you still haven't seen Joker, correct?
0: I saw it on plane, thank you very much.
1: Okay, well, hmm. it's a fine right. enough way. this to isn't a joker podcast yet. it is not um kind of
0: some plot similarities <laughs> well, she yeah. puts on a costume and dyes her hair, yeah yeah, b- yeah, becomes mean to people until she learns a lesson.
1: It's and true, and then she does start a revolution at the end,
0: exactly, yes, it's like a British joker. put that on the v h s box
1: <laughs> here's what i here's why I think I was. Uh, charmed by it, okay. and then it it, wore, it had worn off next time. Uh, I love the 90s, because that's when I grew up, mm-hmm. and I love music movies. And obviously, I love Beanie. So I had a lot of uh, goodwill toward it going in that I am now realizing maybe buoyed it a bit. I do think it's a journalism movie, and we'll get to it. It's quite accurate. Like, there's... I mean... <laughs> Obviously, these things really happened to her, or they wouldn't be in the in the movie. Well, the, the idea that she's on this like sex capade as a sixteen year old girl, and and we never talk about um, the age disparity of the people that she's sleeping with. But that was the nineties for you.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> Woody are Allen. Creepy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> creepy. I mean, people didn't talk about it. I guess um, not. Like I think it was great, and we should bring it back.
0: Uh. You know, I think there's a weird thing sometimes when, I think we talked about this last week with, with um, Why Rock the Boat, when the person whose story it is, whose life story it is, is also, like, kind of the creative engine for the movie mm-hmm. and the strongest sort of creative voice with, you know, all due respect to, to Koiki, um, I already forget.
1: Lady Baroness. Yes. Uh, Von Smith.
0: In that like sometimes like things that should be cut out because they don't, they sort of distract from the message you're trying to give, get left in because, you know, it's 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 your life and you love that moment and you just kind of want to see yeah. it on screen. Right. And I do think it falls into that a lot and it sort of undercuts its own message where, yeah, okay, she was, I guess, 16 and you know, sleeping with far too old men who should know better. And... But, like, you also then create a movie where your journalist, female journalist character falls in love with and sleeps with all the rock bands she's interviewing. And the awareness of sort of that trope and that yeah. issue. And, and maybe then as a director or somebody could have come along and said, like, well, you know what? That happened, but... Right now, for where we are with movies and stories that need to be told, maybe there's a different way we can showcase this or a different way to describe it or show it. I don't know it it that's what i felt it it sort of undercuts itself many times. It doesn't help that I think the character is just
1: awful? present yeah like, like a she, bad person
0: like she becomes a bad person when she becomes mean, she becomes very selfish and jaded. And eventually she kind of learns her lesson and comes around, but it almost feels... We spent way too much time with an asshole, Mm -hmm. and it I don't know if she exactly wins us back over. I also think for a film about music, there's not that much music.
1: No, there really isn't. There's There's like John Kite has his one song. Yeah. And there's a bit of Manic Street features. My favorite part about (laughs) the Manic Street Peaches scene is... They're like we're the manic, we're the manic street preachers, and we're here to destroy rock and roll. And then they're like, doot, do 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 I don't know their work at all, so um, that's probably not a real melody. But, um, it's a but nice, yeah, you're right. It's a
0: nice scene though, where like she's at a show in her new costume, and she yeah. just like lives it. And you know, I don't go to music shows. You know, I'm not a fan of music, but she like becomes enraptured by what a music show can be. And then we never get that again. Where's Almost Famous was totally about a love of rock and roll and music. Even when we weren't watching a band perform or listening to music, you could still feel that heart and soul to it. And this is more just about Joanna being – learning, I guess, not to be a dick to other people.
1: Just <laughs> fine. I mean, who among us – you know, it's it's funny because they make a joke about how uh, little it pays. They say ten pence, which I believe is per ten word. cents a word. Yeah, yeah, uh, which sounds right to me. Um, it works out to a so of, pretty- oh,
0: one quid per hundred words.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, she's not rich or anything, but she's getting to do cool things like. I think you would be insufferable as a teenager, for oh, sure. Oh, yeah.
0: She becomes the breadwinner for the family, which I have to imagine is accurate to real life, in that suddenly she's the one bringing home the literally the groceries. She's bringing a TV into the house.
1: Her poor mother's had these twins, and she's got postpartum. They were surprise twins at 38. And her dad, who's played by Patty Considine, who's a, a an Irish actor who I love, um, he's actually quite dead on. He's got like a a rock mullet and he's got drums in the living room and he almost made it one time in the 70s and he can't let go of the idea that he still has time to make it to the point where literally driving her to the job interview, he's like, get my tape in the papers. And it's like, whoa, dad, (laughs) show some restraint, but it felt very accurate to me.
0: Reminded me of that uh, wrestling movie, Fighting With My Family.
1: Oh, Fighting With My Family, In a similar like,
0: the, the yeah. young girl sort of exceeds how what the family is able to do, and that causes yes. some tension and drama. Between her and her yeah. gay brother? He's gay, right?
1: Yeah, he's yeah. he's gay, yeah. Um, which, that's a storyline I li- would have liked to have seen more of, because he just sort of says, do you want to hear about what I did? And it's like, could we not have seen it? We're watching a film.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he like went and, and snogged with a fella.
1: Yeah, instead of like, oh, here's Here's a scene of her, uh, her pad falling out in gym class. Funny scene. I thought it was funny. You know, we were watching with um two other women and they didn't buy the logistics. I it didn't have wings. I thought it was fu- I thought it could have happened.
0: <laughs> Can I ask you about the ending? Sure. Spoilers. <laughs> Ends with a turn to the camera monologue to the audience about as the Spice Girls might say, girl power. Mm. I am not a fan of this technique. Usually, and it didn't work for me in this case, Um, I feel like it's a thing that filmmakers think is incredibly powerful to break that fourth mm-hmm. wall. And she has voiceover the entire time. And you know my feelings about voiceover. <laughs> and it could have been fine, because we go to a montage anyways of other things as she's talking to the audience. So... Mm-hmm. I don't know if we really needed her to stop and, like, you know, we all had a lot of fun here today watching How to Build a Girl. I don't know. Your your thoughts? I'm curious.
1: I mean, I do you, have you seen Vice, the um, yep. Dick Cheney movie? So that was the same thing where basically Dick Cheney turns the end of the turns to the audience at the end and is like, you're a bunch of fucking assholes. Snowden.
0: It's like... But it's even worse because Snow- they get yeah, the real Snowden. Yeah, it's like,
1: cool, <laughs> thanks so much. Yeah. Where this felt like... It also had a very weird beginning where she's sitting in the library and there's all these different kinds of men floating around uh-huh. and then they just sort of disappear. They pop. Yeah, well, I don't know about that fast- fantastical angle at all because there's also some pictures on her wall and then those people turn in... They're like historical and they turn into... Her wall of by heroes, people. yeah.
0: Lily Allen plays somebody... Jamila Jamil is on there.
1: Yes, Sharon Horrigan, who I love. She Mm -hmm. plays Joe March. I thought it felt like they didn't know how to end it otherwise. Well,
0: it's the first of a planned trilogy, apparently. Oh. Did you not know that?
1: How to Build a Teen. How to Build... Hang on, wait. I have the
0: titles. I have the titles. Old Hag. Followed by How to Be Famous, and then How to Change the World. Okay. Moran also wrote a book called How to Be a Woman, so she likes that title format.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it work that sort of thing works for Well, so, cuz
0: that's a, like her and Alfie Allen, they they don't start dating. They decide to be friends, fair and fine. She's a journalist, he's a rock star, he's a decade older than her or somewhere around there, and At she's least. a teenager. Yeah. Um, but apparently they will date in the sequel. So, get ready for he that. You
1: did say they would. There you go. Uh okay, well, right. on this down note, <laughs> I'm sorry, did I,
0: did like, I'm wondering if I infected your love for this movie with my I don't know. criticism of it. I don't The same way I really that I don't. much like shattered glass the first time when I saw it and then as I started talking about it with you and Kim, I realized, oh wait, this might suck. Welcome back to Box Office Bylines. Today, we are building a girl and learning how to do that with the 2019-2020 indie comedy drama music journalism rock critic story of Dolly Wilde, Caitlin Moran, Beanie Feldstein, and Tara Thorne. How to build a girl? Tara, you're you're a, you're a rock and roll journalist. I was built. You're the Enemy. You were built. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, it's interesting. I don't really have any. There was nothing in the movie that made me go, "Oh yeah, I lived through that." Because also, my first assignment was not a giant English <laughs> rock band. Um, it was Jimmy Rankin, I think. Was it
0: your first assignment? Yeah. Was Jimmy Rankin
1: like my first music? The like, as music street, editor. street
0: Preachers of Nova Scotia, Jimmy
1: Rankin. <laughs> <laughs> um. But the idea that because you're young, nobody takes you seriously is very true. Mm-hmm. And also, and when you're a young person and you're talking to someone who uh, is famous, mm-hmm. now, you know, that that varies for, for, from person to person and place to place. But like, you know, you're like, you're a person that makes a record. Like, it, it seems so impossible. I've done it now, and I'm like, nah, you can do it. <laughs> um, at the time, you're like... I got my job when I was 20 years old, and I was just like, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know how to interview people. I didn't know what made a good story, all that stuff. And you got some person across from you who is probably attractive and is definitely dramatic, Mm -hmm. and they're just talking to you about art, and it's very uh, intoxicating, and it's very – I could go back. I bet my first year of the coast is insufferable to read. Like it's probably just loving everything, and that's when the coast was maximum snarky. (laughs) Um, But you know, I I I have like a feature voice. If I'm doing a feature, it's different than the voice I would use to write something small, Um, because I love narrative nonfiction and I love you know I love deep dive profiles. So any if I've written a feature, it's definitely the kind of thing that these enemy dinks would not have liked at all. Um, the the weird thing about the John Kite piece that they reject is they never offer her any editing, or they never say, this is embarrassing, here's why. They just go, "Yeah, no, we're not doing this, you're done.
0: They fire her as a freelancer, which makes no sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. And those guys, I think, were quite accurate. Um you know, again, I didn't work at a paper in the '90s. We have talked to our our former colleagues about starting a paper in the '90s. I am sure they were all like that with their hair and their clothes and their attitudes. And I thought those guys—it's it, basically all this office is all men. Yeah, uh, there's no other women, and um, it felt that felt very accurate too, like like men being authorities on music. Yeah. Um, and uh and and like cranky about it. They have the like the coolest job you could have and they're like, ugh, this job sucks.
0: They're very gatekeeper-y. They only give mm-hmm. her like the bands they don't want to do themselves. Yeah. And then they get very harassy. And
1: Yes, there's there's the one guy that makes her sit on his lap. Yeah. This is the only time the movie is self aware, really. like other than the guy who's like, it's it's never too early for jail bait or some gross comment. But it's like the only time the movie is is really aware that she's in an environment uh, that's not uh stacked in her favor cuz she hesitates and she's like really is that what you really want and then he's like yep and then there's a moment and then she like jumps on his lap excitedly
0: yeah and like crushes
1: So they him. ruin it. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then she ends up like in a relationship with the publisher or editor in chief
1: one of the editors one there's the, there's one it's of the really not clear editors, who the bosses yeah. are. Yeah.
0: Um. so that's not great again no, and term- he's gross about it yeah yeah it's
1: he's like lascivious toward her from the very beginning and then he basically in to all the other staffers is just like yeah I, lo- I just was you know I went downtown basically like I'm dumpster uh, diving I was
0: saying a little before though where like because that becomes this cliche of how female journalists are presented like the Alfie Allen John Kite stuff, I think, would have been stronger without the scumbag editor that she's sleeping with as a romantic foil. Because, because then it just would have been this more pure little penny lane sort of situation, I guess pence lane. I yeah. call them. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know. You at one point they describe the role of a rock critic as to cherish and, and highlight the three or four actually good bands that exist at any time and to utterly destroy anyone else, all the posers who are going to come in and try and pretend to be good to napalm the parasites, they said. Was that how you approached being a critic?
1: Uh, not me personally, but that's definitely the the pitchfork ethos. Like the, it's literally in the name um, And they, they put out a 1.0 review of the night, not the 1975, some band that's inexplicably popular that it was their first viral review in a really long time because people would go to them to get the sh- like to read bad reviews. It is very fun to write bad reviews which we've talked about um as movie critics like it's it's fun because when you like something you're like i like it great like you don't need to dig into why it works like you're it's not what just affects you yeah yeah for better or for worse it's like i you don't really interrogate why you love it so much or you just run out of adjectives but like when something is bad it's it's easy to pick apart the weird thing for me was um uh being a journalist in Halifax, which is a small town, and as I began to know more people, um, it was very hard to be honest about local material. Not me, not just me personally, but all the writers. It was just like, uh, you know, if something was bad, it wasn't worth saying so. Yeah. So you, there's a whole era of coast reviews um, that that really pull their punches. Not and not to say that that you should expect to be slammed, but you, but you should expect that people are looking at your art critically and some people d- didn't get that and and i more often than not would rather not run anything than a bad review and people would call me up and they're like infuriated yeah that we haven't written about it and it's like i'm actually saving you like you think i'm just like holding a clipping from your grant application but no it's like i'm stop like we we don't like it so it you know it. It's different when you. I think you're in the British press, which is notoriously nasty, versus nice Canadians, especially nice Haligonians, <laughs> um, who we all know each other. And, like, you know, people could throw a coffee in my face at any time. They never have. <laughs> but, but you know, I'm, I, I'm a snarky person. I, uh... I am angry a lot, but um, I would much rather write about something I love. And this idea of destroying people, not to say that I don't talk about it behind the scenes and and think XYZ bands are terrible, but it's like, but publicly it's like, I would, you know, I think I would much rather write something nice, Um, but that's not criticism. It's like criticism should be well-rounded and the problem we talked about this um and almost famous as well is that because of social media and because there's so few um outlets now and because pr controls everything anytime anything slightly negative is said about an artist they flip out and send their people they can send their people now their stands yes
0: i've (laughs) after the writers yeah um yeah so i always felt in reviewing movie movies that like um you know, occasionally there'd be the local one or even just a Canadian movie and I don't know if grading on the scale is the right thing to say but you, I, I would try and approach that with that in mind in terms of the limitations therein and that yeah. I'm really looking at an artistic output here compared to say like Transformers mm-hmm. which is almost unfair to try and judge that as a movie and not just two hours to have a special soda and popcorn combo yeah <laughs> and pay some executives millions of dollars in bonuses
1: yeah they're not in the same uh uh arena and nor should they be judged that way it's yeah. just not it's not fair
0: sort what what you were saying uh Moran uh at that tiff Q a that I mentioned said that when she was 16, telling your mean opinions to the world was not something that many people had the chance to do, only if you were a journalist. And now, and this was sort of a metaphor she wanted to get across in the film, everyone can do that because of social media, which causes people to attack innocent, kind opinions as naive, and thus everyone wraps themselves in this shell of cynicism that traps us culturally. And you can't dance, you can't grow, she says.
1: I agree with that wholeheartedly, actually. I feel like um, I have always found earnestness to be cringe-inducing, but sincerity is a very great feeling, and people are too scared to be sincere. And, I mean, we're seeing... You and I are both on the internet all day long, and we're seeing pylons. Mm -hmm. Not pylons that block the road, but pile-ons dash of people. It's like... It's it's just easier to to join the angry fracas I than say nothing. Apparently, I mean I I I only say something if I have a real strong opinion. But it's like, but yeah, it's it's really hard to um to like something. But then you see something like um uh fetch the bolt cutters Fiona Apple's record, and that's the first time I have seen uh women really rally behind a record from someone who came from the nineties um and. I had been sexualized and had all these things happen to her that, that kind of, like, drove her into seclusion. And and she made this record that doesn't sound like anything else. And we're stuck in this pandemic in a real fucked-up time in a post Me Too world. This is somebody that's literally dated Louis C.K. And she's got this amazing Are distillation of all of it. Yes! Wow. It's disgusting. But anyway, like, it's all... And then she just presented this piece of art that was made on her own in her house, like literally drumming on pots and pans sometimes. And it's like something you've, it's like nothing you've ever heard. And it just arrived at the perfect moment. And, um, and then so you, you do see a swell sometimes, but we're already over it. I haven't seen a fetch the bolt cutters joke in a while, in months. <laughs> uh,
0: on criticism, Moran says the best thing you can do in the world is just point at the things you love and say, I love this.
1: Sure, I guess.
0: But now I do feel As bad about our jokes about this movie. <laughs> sure, <laughs>
1: we we have the power of edit.
0: <laughs> um, do you want some trivia? We got deep. Let's let's uh, go a little less deep. Uh, trilogy, planned trilogy. I mentioned that. Okay, here's here's. Okay. <laughs> I don't. That was all this stuff about being like, talking, saying nice things. And then the first thing I have is mean. Cumulative worldwide gross, $70,000.
1: Yikes. Now, to be fair, it got punted to VOD. Yeah. So does that, is that in there? Well, I don't know. Did it? It might have been out in England already. It fully got stunted.
0: Did you know that Caitlin and her sister, Caroline, also adapted their upbringing previously as a UK sitcom entitled Raised by Wolves?
1: I did not know that.
0: I couldn't find out much about that, but I think it ran for a couple series, as they do in England, like three Mm -hmm. series and six episodes.
1: Series, as they call them, not seasons. Yes.
0: Uh, So, on the wall of heroes that Johanna has are the Bronte sisters, Emily and Charlotte. Who's the other one? Anne. Uh, Beyonce. I don't know.
1: Charlotte, Emily. I'm not sure.
0: I guess she wasn't important enough to be featured. But they are played in the movie by Sue Perkins and Mel Giedrich. Uh, Mel is sister of director Koiki. And, of course, Sue and Mel are uh, good friends who most famously were presenters on the Great British Baking Show.
1: Ah, that's your forte. I don't know about these things. All right. well, <laughs> Baking things.
0: Yeah. Uh, Feldstein, who is not British, sister of Jonah Hill. Mm-hmm. which takes a lot of effort for me every time I see her to not think about that because I am not a fan of Jonah Hill.
1: Yeah, once you know, you like, they have the same face. Yeah.
0: Um, she went to Wolverhampton for a few weeks and worked in a shop off the high street, always using the accent every time from start of the shift to end, even on her break, even on phone calls, in order to prepare, to prepare for this movie. And Aww. says the first week she did not fool anybody, but by the end of the second week, after being yelled at by some of the other girls, uh, whenever she would mess something up, she felt more comfortable and says to the press that she was able to convince people. I feel that in this shop in a small town, they eventually just knew, oh, that's the movie star. Just yeah. just, just humor <laughs> her with her accent. Because you'd feel bad <laughs> on the third or fourth time you're there. Yeah yeah anyway um asked at tiff who would be on their personal wall of heroes uh koiki said david bowie uh beanie said carol king barbara streisand steven sondheim and her mom
1: ah uh, that's a great question beanie's a broadway person also mm-hmm. so those those make sense
0: uh and moran said you know all the people that were in the movie because that was her wall oh those
1: were her that was her real life
0: (laughs) one person that she couldn't get on the wall that she had on a real one because the rights were too expensive miss piggy
1: oh yeah disney yeah there were enough quirky things in the movie miss piggy didn't need to be on the wall
0: last one caitlin moran's top five coming of age movies this was asked of her by the av club um i think i don't know if they're in descending or ascending order so we'll just go through them juno Love it. Meet me in St. Louis.
1: Don't know it. Have
0: you seen? No. You know that when Martin Prince sings uh, Clang, 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 Went the Trolley? Mm hmm. It's from that.
1: <laughs> okay. Book Smart. Love it.
0: Feels too easy to throw that in when your star is also. But
1: it's so good. It's like, yeah. it's outstanding.
0: Uh, Little Women.
1: Yeah. Which Gerwig or well, uh, on and Ryder?
0: No, in the video clip, they used the. Winona Ryder, Christian Bale one. I call it the Christian Bale one. Yeah, I don't think
1: Gerwig Gerwig wasn't out yet.
0: Um, But she also says all of them and that they should remake that movie every six months. (laughs) And uh, rounding out the top five, Gone with the Wind. She isn't a great choice. Gone with the Wind? Weird. She notes that uh, it's... A great film of a teenage girl totally on her own, pulling herself up by her bootstraps over and over again, though also with the asterisk that, of course, slavery is awful. So
1: maybe don't pick that one.
0: Yeah, I think there's a.
1: <laughs> Even if it's true, maybe just like you, can uh, you know, go with the um, go with Clueless or something. Yeah,
0: Clueless. I don't, you can throw anything you want in there. Ha! <laughs> uh, that's that's uh, there wasn't a lot of trivia. Like I said, this kind of I don't know if Joker just devoured this or ate up all the press. I'm assuming it'll get a little more attention now that it's streaming as these things do.
1: I think this is a good like teenage movie, like a good having a sleepover, socially distanced sleepover with your buds. <laughs> what can we watch? Uh-huh.
0: It's a fine film. It's yeah. not great. Anyway. But it's okay. It's
1: enjoy it's enjoyable. It's like and then it has a really great closing credit sequence that's all cut. Cut and paste like a zine, and their names are handwritten and stuff. And I was like, that's the aesthetic this movie should have had. I
0: really feel like that, my feeling, not to disparage Koike Gidrich, otherwise known as Mary Rose Helen Gidrich, Lady Boyer Smythe, wife of Sir Thomas Whalen Boyer Smythe, 15th Baronet. That felt like, <laughs> that felt like, okay, do whatever you want with the credits, make the credits your own. 'Cause it has this right. energy to it that almost mm-hmm. the rest of the film is lacking in a weird way. Um, sort of punk. Yeah, rock they play thing.
1: um they play Bikini Kill Rebel Girl early on and you're like, Yeah, it's gonna be a right girl movie, and then it just kind of isn't.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Maybe the sequel. In this planned trilogy.
1: Perhaps. Apparently. You know, Beanie's also doing um, Richard Linklater's movie that he's filming over 20 years. So she's signing up for a lot of weird franchises.
0: She's also next can be seen as Monica Lewinsky in the next season of American Crime Story by your favorite, Ryan Murphy.
1: Mm-hmm. 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 I hate it when he casts people I like. <laughs> Connie Britton's in almost everything he does, and I just I can't do it.
0: Don't you like that um, when there's a director, though, with a like repertoire? Because it always feels to me like, oh, he must be nice to work with. People keep coming back.
1: Yeah, like Sarah Paul, like all these women, like really good actors. I feel like they actors. just have a
0: nice time on set, so it doesn't matter what the finished product is.
1: Mm, apparently. That's my hope. I guess none of them watch it afterwards.
0: <laughs> when I see a movie, I just want to know that the actors are like having an enjoyable time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Who cares if it's good? Um, What are we talking about next week?
0: Well, next week we are going to watch a movie. I don't know if I've ever seen all the way through been On TV a lot, and I've seen bits and pieces. Um, The Devil Wears Prada,
1: <gasps> starring two of my absolute favorites Emily Blunt, Adrian Grenier, and Stanley
0: Tucci. <laughs> and Adrian Grenier,
1: Gren- Adrian Vince, he's an aspiring Vince cook and chase
0: who wants to make it in the big city. It's like uh, <laughs> Chef by John Favreau.
1: Right. I think that's the first time I saw Emily Blunt, but I uh, love Meryl Streep and I love uh, Anne Hathaway, which is a a divisive uh, person to love. Uh, I think people are kind of over it now, but for a while there, no one cared for it. Um, You're in for such a big treat, as are we, because who is our special guest going to be?
0: We are going to have on with us uh, my fiance, someone who's not divisive to love. Katie Toth. Yes. My fiance. Say? She personally chose this uh, movie episode I wanted to say. And she will be sharing her thoughts with you and our listeners and me will be sharing one mic, which is not COVID safe, but we also share a household, so whatever.
1: Katie Toth. <laughs> well, I look forward to that and I hope you have a good week and uh, I hope you have at least learned how to build a girl, so I would like to see her <laughs> this time next week.
0: We're going to have a great British girl bake-off. Terrific. Tara, take care. Stay cool you... in the summer heat. And remain distant. At the movies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bye, Jacob.
0: You are everything. You are everything you